0: Hey, Brian. All right, good evening, everybody. Good to see you. Welcome. Thank you for coming. I We're going to take our offering really quick. Um, something we do as a church, and if you are new to this place, um, you don't feel any obligation whatsoever. This is for the people that call us their church home. So, I mean, if you want to be a part of it, that's fine. We're not going to twist your arm or anything. But um, this is for us, and um, it's just the way that we worship uh, together. Um, So good to see everybody. Man, you guys look so good. You dressed up nice. You cleaned up good. Um, So grateful you're here. Um, I did want to mention before, uh, in case you didn't notice, there's a little family photo booth thing happening out there. So if you didn't do that with your family... Or if you don't like your family and you want to do it with somebody else's family, (laughs) that's, you could just pick your family. Go over there, get a picture. Um, There's some cookies and stuff happening afterwards. So glad you're here, though. Um, Hey, I just wanted to take just a couple of minutes, um, and I just wanted to just throw out the idea that I think for most of us, the Christmas story is, it's a really religious story and, um, and it's become pretty predictable over the years, and even kind of sanitized. Um, it's kind of become a kind of a nice little precious moment scene, maybe, uh, maybe a glittery Christmas card, um, a fireside story that you read under a blanket. But here's the thing, I actually think the Christmas story is pretty irreligious, I think it's pretty unsanitized, and I don't think it's very predictable at all. And I think a lot of times we're so used to hearing it that we just kind of, um, we just kind of get numb to it. And throughout history, God or the gods have actually been um, pretty typically, they act pretty typical, uh, you know, compared to the script of the religion that it stipulates that the gods act. And uh, the reason why I say that is I would argue that the first century audience of the announcement of Jesus' birth were actually, I don't know, I would say they were pretty, pretty irreligious, pretty unsanitized. And I think the Christmas story is, is kind of like this very irreligious, unexpected uh, story that comes to this original audience, right? And I think that if we, we look at the story with a fresh set of eyes, we're actually going to see that there's a God involved that doesn't play by the normal religious workbook. And this God is relentlessly showing up to meet us where we're at. And wherever you show up to this place today, I, this, the Christmas story is actually something that doesn't just start in the book of Luke or the book of Matthew. It's actually a story about a people who at one point were this amazing nation, um, kind of a superpower, if you will. And because they began to worship other gods and because, because they began to uh, do things that were not according to God's plan, they actually found themselves in exile. They found themselves in exile and, and for many years, and, and, and after they came out of exile, they thought it would be over and many of the prophets said, Hey, it's still going on. And one superpower after another superpower came and, and overtook them and oppressed them. And for many years, they were asking the question, Where are you, God? God, where are you? We haven't heard from you. We haven't heard from you in a long, long time. And finally, God broke his silence. God breaks his silence, and this is what's the amazing part. God breaks his silence to these guys. Look at this, Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Now, we think about that, and you've heard that before, and and we think, oh, some some normal middle-aged men, shepherds, just doing their thing, it probably had to be a great job. You know, you're not with people. Any introverts in the room? Yeah. And, and, and here's the real deal with the shepherds. They were like the lowest class of people. These were, many of these were orphan young men who had no father to learn a trade from. And they were uh, put out in the fields to watch after the sheep. And they were um, dirty, smelly, living with the sheep all the time. But here's the thing. They actually helped keep the the perfect sheep in place and separated from the herd so that those sheep could be used and sacrificed near Passover. But these young men couldn't even go into the temple. They were ceremonially unclean. Okay, So they kept the sacrifice pure, but they themselves couldn't participate at the temple. They also couldn't be um, uh, summoned in to testify in court or anything like that. They were like pushed to the margins of society. And I love what verse 9 says it says, And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. Appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around shepherds. And they were terrified, it says. Now, these are shepherds that have seen beautiful sunsets, beautiful sunrises. They've seen the weather change. They've seen just unbelievable things with nature. They've also seen some probably brutal, violent animal on vi- animal violence. And this made them terrified. It says, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. Like, he's still talking to the shepherds. Now, we believe that the you means you, your whole people. But how amazing is that those shepherds actually get this announcement, and it says, he is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you You will find a baby wrapped in clothes lying in a manger. So the sign that the Messiah is born to you, shepherds, is there's going to be a baby on the other end of this little journey you're about to take. And it's going to be laying in a feeding trough for animals. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those whom his favor rests When the angels had left them and gone to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Now here's the thing. The story gets even messier from here. It gets even more irreligious and unsanitized. See, first century Jewish people thought that the Messiah would be born into a wealthy, uh, rich, aristocrat family in a palace, safe and secure, surrounded by holy men and scribes of Israel. Wasn't happening. Instead of the Messiah is born and he's laid in a feeding trough surrounded by animals and shepherds, the scribes and the holy men of Israel pay no attention to Jesus. In fact, a genocide begins soon after this. You can read about that. The only attention he gets is from some men that we call three wise men, which is the total sanitized version of it. They are actually pagan Zoroastrian astrologers from Persia. They actually believe in astrology and they believe in two different gods, an evil god and a good god. And they take an enormous journey to see what's going on. See, they're still seekers at heart. So none of the religious Jewish wise men of Israel pay Jesus any attention, but three pagan astrologers do. It doesn't read like a cute little religious story yet. And rather than being born into security, he's forced to flee, him and his parents, they become refugees immediately. And they have to run to Egypt. And if all this wasn't enough, Jesus' mother Mary was pregnant outside of wedlock betrothed which was like binding his marriage to joseph joseph had to be convinced to still go ahead with the marriage by a dream from an angel okay and the stigma of giving birth before you were married would have followed mary and jesus their whole life and you would never live that down. In fact, we see hints of it all over the Gospels when Jesus is in conversations with very religious people. In fact, in the Talmud, which is a very important religious document for the Jewish people, um, there's actually rumors within the Talmud that Mary was impregnated by a Roman soldier or even raped. And all that was meant to discredit Jesus. So this isn't what anybody would expect, right? This doesn't seem like that cute Christmas story. It's pretty irreligious, pretty unsanitized. And this shocking story turns religion on its head because almost always in religion, God or the gods fit the standards of the religious narrative. Jesus was supposed to be a king, a messiah, and, and, and here we have something that doesn't fit, right? So if an all-holy God is coming, coming into the world, shouldn't his arrival be holy and fit for a king? And it, and it should shock us because it doesn't fit our standards. It doesn't fit our ideas. God intentionally comes into the world through a path that looks scandalous, scandalously sinful and messy and anything but predictable. And it breaks all the rules, it, sh- it, it, it flies in all the ideas of what religion should be. But here's the thing, it keeps going downhill. Like Jesus' life, I mean, look at his life. His, his, it fits the pattern of his birth. He's expected to be supported by religious uh, leaders. Instead, the religious esta- establishment multiply tries to kill him. They try to get him silenced. They become his opponents. And then rather than being at home with religious powers of his day, Jesus is found hanging out with prostitutes and um, tax collectors, but really what they are is treasonous people to the people of, Ju- of the Jewish nation. He's hanging out with those people. And this pattern climaxes on the cross with Jesus looking like a, forsa- like a God-forsaken criminal, becoming our sin, dying a horrifying, shameful death. To the, Roman, the Romans who were um, crucifying him, they were crucifying somebody that had to be crucified under their laws. Their laws said that you could not cru- crucify a Roman citizen. It was illegal. Only people who weren't Roman citizens or, or uh, major felons. See, this is one of the ways we know the story is true. We know the story is true because it's utterly shocking. It doesn't fit the mold of religious stories. Emmanuel, the word Emmanuel, is the Hebrew word that describes Jesus as God with us. And with humility, he's born, he lives, and he dies. A very irreligious life and in very irreligious circumstances. Okay, here's the thing. He's born in circumstances that actually appear scandalously sinful. He lives a life that appears scandalously sinful. And then he dies a death that appears scandalously sinful. All three of those things, from beginning to the end, the one who is called God with us, appears to be a sinful outcast. Why is that? because he's in love with sinful outcasts. He's in love with sinful outcasts and is identifying with them and it's not what anyone would expect. It's not the story the disciples would have made up. You don't make this up. If you're trying to make up a religion, like <laughs> this doesn't fit. It doesn't work. You don't make this story up. They, they actually ended up getting killed for this. The irreligious story tells us something very important and unexpected about the one true God. It tells us a lot about who God is. This God is not a God who does not like to get his hands dirty. This is not a God that that tries to keep his hands clean. See, churchy people believe that typically uh, that God is about behavior and morality. There's a lot of churchy people that believe that. But this story reveals God's heart to us. Because it's so messy. God doesn't look away from our, our dysfunctionality. God doesn't look away from our problems. God doesn't look away from our sin. Instead, He comes an infinite distance to be with us. God, as revealed in the Christmas story, is a God who dives into your right now mess, the one you're sitting in right now unafraid, relentlessly pursuing you, relentlessly pursuing me. His holiness does not keep us away from him, but it drives him to us. And that's the story. That's the beauty of this Christmas story. If there was any, ever any doubt for you, the Christmas story should settle it. Nothing puts you outside of God's love. Nothing. Nothing. and he graciously meets us where we are, and he calls us into a relationship that lasts forever. Now, I want to close real quick by just popping back in with the shepherds. I love what the shepherds do at the end of that little story I wrote, or read to you. How did this raggedy band of shepherds, these classic outsiders, who were deeply disrespected, how did they respond? Verse 15. The shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord told us about. So they said, let's go. Let's see this. Let's let's investigate. And I love how they have no language for what's happened. Let's see this thing. (laughs) Let's see this thing that's happened. I love that. And you don't have to have words for this either in your own life. That right in the middle of maybe some of you who are right in the middle of a diagnosis, right in the middle of a job loss, right in the middle of a relational breakup or divorce, right in the middle of an addiction, right right in the middle of some confusion, right in the middle of some intellectual uh, skepticism about what's even being said right now, right in the middle of that, this Christmas story is... Is about the untouchable becoming touchable. God uses our successes and our failures and all of our life to pursue us. Uses all of it. Especially the messy stuff. Maybe you have felt God pursuing you throughout the course of your life. And now you have a little bit of a context for it. For the people of Israel, 400 years of absolute silence. And maybe you've had four years of absolute silence or 40 years of absolute silence and you've just said, God, where are you? And now you have a little bit more context for that. God pursues you. In the midst of your successes and your failures, he pursues us. So we would not want to talk about this and not give you a chance to respond like the shepherds had. Not to become religious. Just to recognize the gift that's given to you. Like any gift, it has to be received. And so we're going to pray.